Well, good morning. How are you all doing? Good. You're awake, ready for church, ready to have God speak to you. Do you believe that, that you came here today and that God's going to speak to you? Yes. Good. This is an awesome service. Um, hey, have you been enjoying, though, the, the series we've been doing, When God Is? I think it's just been, I've been learning so much from it. And um, if you haven't listened, if you've been summer attenders, which it's okay, so have I, and you've missed a message in our series, it's all online at jc.org, and we make it so simple. Even my grandparents can figure out how to get our messages, so I believe you can too. But last week, um, my dad spoke on when God is moving and talked about the Israelites and, and how they followed the fire, right? Fire by night, cloud by day. Is Yeah, okay. I'm like, wait, is that wrong? <laughs> I read my Bible, I promise. Um, but he talked about that and how they, they followed him, right? When he was moving, they moved. And when, when he stopped, they stopped. And yet even in that, they still had this lack of faith. They had this issue of, well, God, I don't know if you can really provide for us, even though you parted the Red Seas, even though you got us away from Pharaoh, even though you did all of these things, I still don't know if you really can provide for us and do what you said. And then he got into what God's faithfulness is and totally stole my message. My dad totally stole my message for today. No, I'm just kidding. But I totally, as I was listening to him speaking last week, felt like God was saying, this is confirmation, that this is something I'm doing in the spirit, that this is a topic and a subject that we really need to spend some time in about God's faithfulness. So this message today is called When God is Faithful, which kind of doesn't make sense because it's not when he is. God is always faithful, Right? God is always faithful, and, and this is such a core issue, and sometimes we think, wow, that's really basic, no big deal, but church, if you don't have this foundation that God is faithful, God is faithful, not just he acts faithful. As, as humans and as people, we can act faithful, right? We can be faithful, but we are not at our core faithful, that is not who we are, but if we talk about who God is, not how he acts, but who God is, he is faithful. He is faithful. And if you don't have that, and if you don't fully believe that, and if you don't fully grasp that, your walk as a Christian is going to get very muddy and very gray, and you're going to have a hard time deciding things about God. Because if God isn't faithful, then is God always loving? If God isn't faithful, is he really truly going to provide for me? If I don't believe God is always faithful and that's who he is, and to not be faithful would be renouncing himself, then can he, did he do what? Did he, did he, did Jesus really die on the cross for all my sins? That no sin is too great. Because if God isn't faithful, then these things are going to be challenged in your life. And you better believe that the enemy will come in and find the weak spot and look for the weak spot that where, where he can challenge you and where he can get you to guess, did God really say this? Did God really do this, right? That is why it's so important to grab hold of this truth that, God, you are faithful. 
And, and it's so easy to hold on to that truth when, when you're on the mountain, right? Just like that song we sang was talking about, when you are at the top and when life is good and life isn't challenging and you are in this, like the, almost the honeymoon phase in a marriage, when it's good and it's happy, there's, no, there's, no, um, there's nothing pushing against that faith. There's nothing squeezing you and challenging you. And it's so easy to go, yeah, God, of course you're faithful. But I know you sitting in this room or you listening online, I know that you have been through things in your life where that, that faithfulness has been challenged. Where you look, I've been through that week this week. I've been through a year. This last year of my life has not been, it has been that faithfulness of God. Like, God, what are you doing? I've experienced three deaths this past year. One of them being a suicide of a young girl that I was close with. Another one being my aunt who died of cancer. And I'm looking at these things and going, God, are you really faithful? And it's okay to, to, to wrestle with God, right? Jacob wrestles with God, and it's okay to do those things. But ultimately, your response should be, God, I know that I know that I know that you are faithful. That not you're just not faithful to me. You are faithful. You are faithful to yourself. You cannot deny yourself. And so no matter what my circumstance may be, you are faithful. So that's God's responsibility. Would you agree with that, right? In this relationship, God's responsibility is to be faithful. Well, I want to talk then a little bit today about what is our responsibility. Because I believe God wants to partner with us. I believe God wants to use you. I believe God doesn't want it just to be you, you follow all his rules and that's it. And there's nothing you have to do. So then the question would be, what is my responsibility? So God's responsibility is to be faithful. Then my responsibility is to have faith in his faithfulness. So God, then your responsibility is to go, if you said it, you'll do it, right? That is him. If he said it, he'll do it. And my response to that should be, God, if you said it, I believe it. God, if you said it, I know it. I don't have to question and I don't have to wrestle with this and I don't have to wonder, well, could you actually do this? God, if you said it, I believe it. And I want to move us into that place of going whatever season I am walking in today, I know that you are faithful and I believe in your faithfulness. So let's talk about the Bible, right? That's probably a good thing to talk about while we're at church. And I want to talk about Joseph, which his story is found in Genesis. And it starts where I want to start talking in 37 and goes all the way about to 45. And I want to give a little recap for those of you who've forgotten about Joseph. Or maybe, hey, it could be your first time hearing about him. So Joseph is this beloved son of Jacob. Jacob has many sons. And it says Joseph was born to him or given to him late in age. This is his favorite child. This is the son whom he loves, whom he, he has. He is not the oldest, and yet he, he acts as if he is. Like this, I give you everything. I'll give you everything I have, Joseph. I love you, and I care for you, and I am for you. So his dad makes him this beautiful cloak, right? I know those of you who, you know, lived through the 80s, you can picture what I'm talking about, this bright neon 
colored coat that he's wearing. And of course, Joseph has to wear this every day. This is like his medal of honor. Look at how much dad loves me, brothers. I'm awesome, right? And then to make matters worse, Joseph decides to share with his brothers these dreams that he has, that his brothers are going to bow before him and that he's going to rise up and that God's going to use him and he's going to be so great. I'm one of five children, and if one of my siblings would have told me that, I'd be like, okay, all right. Like, talk about being made fun of for the rest of the year, right? Especially if they're wearing a brightly colored cloak while telling me this. And his brothers begin to hate him. And his brothers begin to resent him and loathe him. And this begins to happen. So they decide, hey, we we won't kill him because we're good guys. Let's just sell him. So they sell him, and he, gets, he ends up in Egypt, right? And he finds himself in Potiphar's house, and at Potiphar's house, he finds favor with Potiphar. It says that he is on the same level as Potiphar, and the only thing Potiphar says, do not have, you cannot, this is forbidden, is my wife. And of course, the one person who wants Joseph more than anyone else is Potiphar's wife. What a great woman she was. So here's Potiphar's wife, and she says, hey, just come to bed with me. My husband will never know. It's totally fine. And he says, no, right? He's righteous in God's eyes, and he says, no, I won't do that. So she decides, well, if you won't do this, I'll get you back, and I'm going to lie about you and tell my husband you raped me, and he ends up in prison. And then he's in prison, and he's at his lowest low, and these men come in, and he, they're trying to interpret their dreams. And one of them, he says, oh, bad news, you're going to die. Sorry. How would you like to be the person who delivers that news to someone? Well, your dream means that God's going to kill you. Right? Joseph has a great job. But then the other one, he says, you will be restored to your job. And remember me. Remember me when you're in Pharaoh's presence. And, of course, the guy forgets for years. And we'll finish up the story at the end of this message. But I really want to talk about Joseph because I think it's this amazing example of God showing faithfulness to him, even though his circumstance says otherwise. And Joseph walking out faith, even though he can't see what God is fully doing. Even though it's hard for him to, to have heard what God spoke over him, and yet the, what was around him and the situation that was happening was not what God spoke over his life. And yet he still continued to have faith in those things. So my message is about God is faithful in all seasons, right? God is faithful in all seasons. And the first season that I believe God is faithful in is God is faithful in seasons of rejection, Now, this is a tough one for people because there are people who have experienced deep rejection sitting here listening to this. And I'm fully aware of that. I meet with a lot of people throughout the week, and JJ and I counsel with people, and we get phone calls when we're on call and and all of these things, and it's this shout of, I am not wanted. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. Honestly, this world probably would be better without me. There's people sitting in this room, and you were told you were the mistake. And it was told out of innocence, and it was told in a joking way, and yet that lie got stuck on you. 
and got put on you. But here's the truth. God spoke you into existence. So how could you be a mistake? Because God doesn't make mistakes. But that's, that stuck with you. Well, I wasn't supposed to be here. And I really wasn't wanted by my parents. And you lived your life like that. You're less than. You're not as great as your siblings. You're, you're not as great as your friends. How could you be anything? How could God use you for anything? How could God even show you his faithfulness if you were an accident? Or maybe you're sitting in this room and you have been rejected by a spouse. Now, I've been rejected in my life by, by men before I was married and the, the deep hurt that that caused. Things that I still think about, like why, 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 right? So I can't imagine how much more magnified that is when it's a spouse who you've given everything to. And I know there's people who are listening to this who have felt that pain. And it's amazing how just a little piece of that gets into your heart and how it grows to this big thing and how everything in your life begins to be filtered through that. It's amazing because your life starts to, you start to act out of that. You don't walk in confidence. You don't walk in, I am wanted and I am loved and I have purpose. You begin to think, I'm not wanted. No one could ever love me. Women, I know you stand and if you've been rejected by a man, you look at yourself and you think, I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't good enough for this man. Right? These are deep wounds that happen here, and we begin to reflect those wounds on how God is. We begin to make the situation around us our truth, and we base who God is off of how we feel. But God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. And no matter what you're going through and no matter who's rejected you, God is faithful to you. You want to know what promises God says about you? He loves you. He died on a cross for you. He's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. And you can believe those things if you believe that God is faithful. And if you aren't believing those things, I would say go back to this point right here. Do you believe God is faithful? You can't believe those things without believing that God is faithful. In Genesis 37, 23 through 28, this is Joseph. And so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. When they're stripping him of this robe, it's not just a physical stripping of this robe. It's this significant spiritual thing that they're doing to this man. They're stripping him of this place in the family. They're saying, you are not loved, you are not wanted, and everything this cloak has represented up until this point in your life, we are stripping of you. This world is so nasty to us sometimes and so hard on us, and if we put our faith in the world and in the people around us, we will come to this place that it can so easily be stripped. But we should be cloaking ourselves with who God is and who God tells us we are because that can never be taken from you. And they took him and they threw him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, 
they see this caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it to Egypt. And Judah, this super nice brother of Joseph, says, Hey, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? I don't want to have to deal with that. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother. Oh, He's so nice. He is our brother. Let's just sell him. Let's just get rid of him. And his brothers listen to him. I think, come on, like one of you brothers has to like step up, right? One of you has to have common sense. But unfortunately for Joseph, no. Then the Midianite traders passed by and they threw, they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The very people who were supposed to love Joseph the most are the very people who reject him in this moment. And if you can imagine, here's Joseph chained up, right? He's, he's captive now. He's no longer free. He's no longer the favorite. He's no longer beloved. He's no longer chosen. He's a slave. He's the lowest type of person that there is. And he's walking, right, on his way to Egypt. And I think every step, is the step away from all that he felt like God was giving him. Every step toward Egypt is a step away toward God's faithfulness, right? He feels that. He feels like, well, what I am seeing and what is going on around me looks an awful lot like, God, you messed up. There's not phones in this time, right? They're not settled. They're wanderers. So even if he escaped, even if he could have found a way back to where his family was at, the chances that they would have been in the same place were slim to none. They weren't living in houses. They were living in tents, and they were going all around, finding food and and pasture for their animals. These men were not people who were going to stay in the same place. So Joseph is walking and realizing, I will never see my family again. And God, you promised me these things. God, you spoke these things to me. You told me, God. But God, you told me. And he has this choice to make. God, do I still choose to believe in your faithfulness even though I can't see it right now? And he does. Every step, he goes, God, but you're still good. God, but I still love you. God, I know you're still faithful to me even though my eyes cannot see it. In Romans 10, 17, it says this, so faith comes from what? Hearing. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. These words have been spoken over him. I was thinking about it, and and these Israelites who come after Joseph, right, who wander around the desert, they didn't have faith because they couldn't have faith. They weren't being spoken to. They had this physical thing, but that's not faith. It took no faith to follow that because faith comes through hearing. You and I have so much of a better, greater gift that God has given us because we have the Holy Spirit who speaks to us day in and day out. And even if you go, well, I feel like he's silent, my challenge would be, I think God is always speaking. Are we always listening? But even if not, you have this Bible, 
You have this Bible that is filled with God's word. It is God breathed and it is his literal words written down for you and for me to remind us of his faithfulness, to remind us that those promises aren't just for our ancestors of faith of old, but they're for you and they're for me and they're for now. So my question then for you today, as you're listening to this, is what has God promised you? What has he promised you? What has he spoken over your life? And then are you living that out as though he's already done it? Are you having faith in him? Not in your circumstance, not in what's happening, but do you have faith that if he's faithful, then he'll do it? His faithfulness is his promise. Do you believe in his promises? Do you believe in what he's telling you? Because if not, I'd challenge you, get back to this place. God, where did I go off? Where did I stop believing that you are faithful? Because you don't change, so I must have changed. God, bring me back to that place where I first believed. Bring me back to that place because it took all of us faith to believe in this crazy story called the Bible, right? I mean, it's pretty crazy. Can we just agree? Some of these stories are a little hard to believe. And yet, I fully believe. And if I can fully believe that he's already done all of those things, why is it so hard for me sometimes to believe that God can do those type of things in my life? So that's the first season. The second season is this. God is faithful in seasons of temptation. God is faithful in seasons of temptation. Church, do not allow your present circumstances to pull you off course from following the voice of God. Temptation is the thing that pulls you away from God's voice, from God's words, from the spoken word. It's the physical that often pulls us away from the faith. Isn't it true, though? Isn't it true that we so often say, give me a sign. If God, if I just had a sign, I would believe so much easier. Well, you're not believing anymore, right? The sign was God spoke over you. And I would much rather have God speak over me because it's actual, literal life when God speaks than a sign that I can see that he's given. God, give me your words is what I should be praying. God, give me your words over my life. Give me your promises. Give me these things. Joseph finds himself in temptation, right? In Genesis 39, 6 through 10, Joseph has found himself in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar goes, hey, I don't have to do any work if Joseph is here. So he goes, Joseph, you do everything. You just do everything. I don't care. You just do everything. But do not, do not have my wife. Isn't that funny? The one thing. The one thing. And that's always the one thing that seems to find its way of temptation into our life. The one thing. Adam and Eve. The one thing. I mean, how hard was that for Adam and Eve? The one tree. I can't imagine how many trees are in this garden. And this one tree. I was telling my son, who's three, about this story. And he goes, but mommy, why did they then eat from that tree? And I go, I don't know, Ezra. It's caused us a lot of problems now. I'm a little mad at Adam and Eve. But it's this one thing that pulls us and draws us. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Wouldn't that be a nice life? All I need to do is just like put food in my mouth. Everything else is taken care of. 
all these celebrities who have all these nannies and cooks. And like, life is so hard. I'm like, you should try my life. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. This is the guy all the ladies want, including apparently married women. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater Potiphar has literally put this man on his exact same level in this house than I am, nor has he put everything, nor, nor am, sorry, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? We so often, when we're struggling with temptation, think we're sinning against each other. We're sinning against this or this or this. But Joseph has made this decision. I have faith, God, that you are faithful. And I believe, I don't know how, and I don't know what it looks like, but I do believe that you are going to fulfill your promises. So how then can I sin against you? I think always on the other side of temptation is always the fulfillment of God's promises. But we have to go through a season of trying in our life. And unfortunately for Joseph, this this decision to do good isn't a rewarding decision either. There's this whole way of parenting right now, and it's called positive reinforcement, which I'm not against, but I kind of am a little bit. Because I I read these books and I read all these things because I want to be a good parent. And it's, hey, if your child does something good, they should be rewarded for it. So you give them an M&M every time they share a toy or every time they tell the truth or every time they go to bed. You just give them, you give them stuff, right? But I have an issue with this because that's not how the kingdom of God is. And I'm raising a son then, if I treat him like that, who believes as an adult that life is fair. And if he does good, then he gets good things. But how many times have you been put in a circumstance and a situation that you did the right thing and you still got punished for it? Doing the right thing isn't isn't a reward. It's God, you said it, and I'm going to follow it. And that is the reward. That the reward will not be necessarily here on earth, but then and there. And I would so much rather have that reward. I would so much rather dream of that, and I would rather suffer here and now than then. We, we put heaven off like it's this faraway thing. Well, like someday I'll get there, and, you know, I'll figure it out then. But church, can I just stress the importance of living for then, of living your life today for the reward that you are getting in heaven That this life was not promised to be easy, but the promise is that you get to be with him one day. And what better reward than that? Is there anything better? And if you think, well, maybe, kind of. I don't think you fully know how great and how good and how wonderful he really truly is then. Oh, because he's so good. And he's so faithful, and he loves you so much. 
Temptation isn't always in the form of something evil. It's just the thing that pulls you away from where God is leading. Don't let yourself fall into temptation. God, then, the last one is this. God is faithful in seasons of captivity. I put the word captivity down because that's what Joseph was going through. But maybe it's a different word for you. Maybe it's God is faithful in seasons of hopelessness. I've been there. Have you been there? Have you been through an excruciatingly hard situation? And it's hard to know what weighs down and what weighs up. Where's your left and where's your right, isn't it? And yet God is still faithful. Just because my eyes cannot see does not change that God is faithful. Which means I have to continue to believe in that faithfulness. I have to continue to move toward that faithfulness and to allow God to be in it with me, even if it doesn't necessarily change what's happening in my life. We see this with Joseph because after Potiphar's wife accuses him, this is what happens in Genesis 39, 19 through 23. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. You know, I think probably while he was in Potiphar's house, he thought, okay, it wasn't my actual brothers who were to bow down to me. It was these servants around me, right? And he goes, okay, God, you're faithful. I see it now. And I think we so often do that, where God has promised this specific thing. And our faith, he's here, right? And our faith is down here. And we have a hard time connecting the dots. Well, God, I don't know how you're going to do that. And what we do is we bring his faithfulness down to our level. Because as a human, I just don't see how that can happen, God. Maybe God promised you things and you are later in your life and you go, well, God, I thought you would do this when I was young. And you begin to let go of those things because you go, looking at my circumstance now, it probably isn't going to happen. But Abraham was 99 years old before God began to do anything really great in his life. I know you're like, you're, you're 27 and you're telling me this. You don't know. Maybe not. But I know that God is faithful and I know that God, if, he, if God spoke it over you, he's going to fulfill it for you. And what we need to begin to do is go, God, my faith is here, but my faith is going to rise to your level of faithfulness. I'm not going to allow my doubt and my insecurities and my lack of understanding to bring you down to my level. Oh, Lord, would you allow me to have my faith rise up to where you are at and to where your promises are at? Because that's where the life is. That's where it's at. And Joseph got this because he's in a jail and he's going, oh, life is never going to happen for me. God, I thought, that, I thought maybe that could have been enough, but now here you have me in this cell, in this hopelessness. I am chained down and there's nowhere I can move. How are you going to use me? And here's what God does for him. But the Lord was with Joseph. 
Even in your most hopeless situation, church, the Lord is with you. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison, again, Joseph gets put in charge of everything, of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Church, even in your hardest season, the Lord gives you these little glimpses of, I am with you. Are you looking for them? Because Joseph could have chosen to ignore that part and just focused on the captivity. But yeah, God, you're doing that for me. I have favor here, but I'm still in prison. Do you think like that? Or do you go, God, use me wherever I'm at. I'm still getting to the promise, but while I'm here, use me. While I'm in these hard moments, God, would you just use me? Would you just allow me to be used by you, God? I want favor in your eyes. And sometimes that just takes me surrendering and going, okay, well, use me here. What do you have for me today? Church, God has something for you every single day, no matter what season of life you're in. No matter where you're at, John 1, 1 through 5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... God is the actual Word. Have you thought about that? I mean, really, truly, God is this actual Word that is being spoken over your life. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things are made through him. All things. So the life you are living was made through his word that he spoke over you. I mean, think about that. Think about it. You were made by the word of God. You were made by him purposefully speaking you into existence. So how could we for one second doubt this faithfulness of God? His word is his actual faithfulness. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Oh, I love that. This light inside of me is from him. It's his actual word spoken over my life, and it's this light that shines out. The promises of God for you and to you are a light to all that are around you, and grab hold of this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The enemy of your soul, the one who hates you, the one who has been after you since the day you were born, the one who wants to tear you down, church cannot overcome you because the darkness has not overcome the light, which is the promises and the word of God. That is so good. Oh, we should be jumping up and down over that because there are days that I feel... (laughs) Okay, you got me. Oh, I'm tired. I can't keep going. I can't keep doing it like this. And if I go to the scripture, I don't have to keep doing it like that because he will never, ever overcome the light that is inside me. He will never overcome that. 
Faith comes through hearing the word of God, right? We learn that. Faith comes through hearing, and God's word is his faithfulness. Therefore, church, God is faithful. Wow. All these scriptures come together. All these scriptures connect. They don't, they don't go against each other. They work together. So as I come to um, start wrapping up this message, I think maybe I'll give you a little visual example for your faith to <laughs> have thought about. So JJ, you want to come up here? Isn't he a great guy? Aren't you so blessed that he's our worship pastor here? I like him a lot. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do, I'm going to show you what we a lot of times think faith looks like. And I'm going to scoot you back because I don't want you to get hurt. Okay, Thank you. so we think faith is this. Faith is not seeing, right? Faith is hearing. But a lot of times we go, okay, well then faith is this like blind, aimless, tell me when you get dizzy. Getting there. Okay, and then faith is saying, okay, go, right? And we think this is faith. We think this is, my instruction is get to the, get to the end of the stage. And this is what, but, but really think about it. We really, he can't even walk, but we really do this in our life. We think it's this aimless walk of like, you're good, I won't let you fall. But that's what we think faith is, but really, church, this is what faith is. I won't let you fall. <laughs> I feel dizzier than I should. I don't know why. Okay. There. I've Are never done this before. <laughs> okay. But faith is this. JJ, walk toward me. Walk straight. Okay, now turn to your left. Now walk a step forward. Now turn to your right. Now walk forward. And this is faith. That all we're called to do is just listen to the voice that's calling us. Faith is going toward the voice that calls you. Walk forward. Walk forward, JJ. And it's scary at times, right? But faith is going, God, you're faithful to me. You won't let me fall. You won't let me get hurt. This is what faith is. Thank you. Give it up for JJ. But that really is what faith is. It's not aimless wondering. It's on purpose. It's specific. It's detailed. It's just you can't see it. But all along, God is calling us. All along, sometimes it's a loud voice. Sometimes it's a yell, don't do that, right? We get that from God, and sometimes it's this quiet, gentle voice that says, just keep going. Just keep walking, even if you don't see it right now. I fulfill my promises. Just keep walking toward my voice. If you really believe that I'm faithful, then you can have trust that I'm, I'm here. I won't lead you astray. I won't lead you down the wrong path. Hold on to me. Hold on to my truth. Hold on to who I am. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. I'm so thankful for that. Are you? Because we all go through times where we're faithless. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we just want to open our eyes. And honestly, that's the worst thing that we can do because 
our circumstance then begins to dictate what God's faithfulness is for us instead of our faith, instead of believing and knowing that he is faithful to us. If we go to Hebrews 11, it's this famous chapter in the Bible, right? And it's about the great men and women of faith that we are to look to and we are to aspire to. And in it, they talk about Noah and they talk about Noah's faith. Okay, and Noah, it's just so funny because Noah is trying, he has this faith. Like God comes and speaks to him and tells him, all right, Noah, now I want you to tell the people it's going to rain. I want you to try to describe rain, even though you've never seen it and it's never rained on earth. I want you to try to describe this to the people. You know, it's like water is going to come from the sky, I think. I'm not fully sure, but that's what God told me. And I want you to build this big giant boat and these animals are going to come to you. Don't worry about it. I'll make it happen. And I just want you to tell people, like, get on the boat with me. We're, it's going to flood and it'll be totally great. And if someone came and told you that today, you'd go, you're crazy. You probably need to be on some medication. Right? Or then you get to Abraham, and Abraham, God comes and speaks to him and says, Abraham, look up at the night sky. Can you count the stars? And he goes, no. He goes, that's how many descendants you'll have. And for a second, Abraham doubts. He goes, well, God, my, I'm too old. My grandparents are 81, and we're living with them right now because we're building a new house. And if my grandparents were to come to me today and go, hey, guess what God spoke to us? Be a little concerned about them. And yet Abraham is 99. And he laughs and then after, because it's okay to have a moment of doubt. It's okay to go, oh, I don't know about that. But then to come to the surrendering of, okay, if you want to do this with my life, I'll, I'll say yes. And then Joseph, this guy we've talked about. This guy who, who does get in Pharaoh's presence and shares about his dream and interpret it. And he's second in command next to Pharaoh. And his brothers do come during the drought. And they come and they bow before him. And he has to be looking and going, wow, look at what my face did in my life. God, you really are faithful. So when you read Hebrews and you read about Joseph, you expect that that's the faith that they're talking about, that that's the situation. But do you know why Joseph was a man of faith? Because when he's on his dying bed, I love this, he tells the people that are in his presence, do not bury me here in Egypt. Do not bury me here. Because I know the promise of God, and I know the promise of God is that one day we'll possess the promised land. So you keep my bones above ground. And when we get to that promised land, you take my bones with you and you bury me in the land of my people. It says even in death he had faith. These men and women never fully saw the promises that God had over their life. But I love this picture of Joseph because here's his tomb and here's his place and he's lying there. And for how many years? Four hundred years this man's body and this tomb is a representation of we're not staying here 
This isn't our forever. This isn't the promise of God over us. It is to possess the promised land. And every time they walked by, it was a reminder. You're not done yet, God. Because here's the thing that Joseph understood, that when God says something, it's as if it's already been done. God is not on our timeline. God is not on our wavelength. God, when he speaks it, he already sees it as though it is done, it is finished, it is complete. And we need to begin to shift our faith in that way. There are things that God has promised over my life that I have yet to see him do. And there are days where I think, okay, maybe I misheard you. But God, how am I going to get there? And I begin to to take God's responsibility on. And I begin to try to figure out the plan and try to make the way. And God goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's my responsibility. The completion of it is my responsibility. What is your responsibility, Kate? Oh, yeah. It's just to believe. It's just to have faith that when you said it, God, you've already done it. So as we come to the close of this message, I think the thing I would have you leave with is that in life you would be a person of faith. But could we... Could we begin to challenge ourselves to be like Joseph, that even in death, even if our own eyes don't see it, we still believe, God, you'll do it. We still believe, God, you'll do it. That my faith is a part of this greater story, part of this bigger plan, because Hebrews 11, 39 through 40 tells me this, and all of these, though they gained divine approval, these men and women of faith, through their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised because God had us. He had us in this room in mind and had something better for us so that they, these men and women of authentic faith, would not be made perfect. They couldn't be made perfect. Do you know why? Jesus hadn't come yet. He hadn't made it perfect. But you and I live in a different time. You and I live in a different place because apart Apart from him, there is nothing but in him now we are made perfect. It already is completed for you and me. They were looking forward to the future. You and I get to live in the here and now. That faith is, not faith is going to be. Faith is the thing that we live by right now and today and in our life. And you can hold true to that, that if they could have faith, you and I most certainly can have faith. So, Father, I just pray right now, Jesus, that you would just come. God, that you would just come and you would just fill your people up, Lord Jesus. That you would just remind them of your faithfulness. That you would remind them of your goodness, Father God. Lord, that if there are people in this room who have felt deep rejection and deep wounds, Lord, God, that you would begin to come and fill those places. Oh, friend, oh, sweet daughter, oh, sweet son of mine, I love you and I made you. And not only did I make you, but I spoke you into existence. If you've been like me and you've had a year where you're going, what is happening? And you have felt hopeless. 
and you have felt like, I don't think I can do this anymore, and this doesn't add up, and this wasn't what I signed up for, I pray courage over you. I pray that you would walk away with the reminder that you cannot be overcome, that the darkness will never overcome the light. Grab hold of that truth. Grab hold of that, that God is faithful to that word. Would you just do me a favor? And I feel like, can we just lift our arms up to God? Can we lift our hands up to him? If you're listening to this, that that bold act of surrender, sometimes faith is is the surrender. I think the opposite of faith is pride. I can do it myself. I can figure it out. So when we raise our hands like this, it's this, this surrender. I give it all to you, God. I give it all to you. Jesus, we give it all to you in this place. Would you come and speak? God, would we give it all to you in worship? Would we fully abandon ourselves today to worship you, Lord? In your name, amen.